0: To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this 12th Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for today from uh, Matthew chapter 16. You heard this read before. I recall just these words. He asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In the name of Jesus Christ, in whose church we worship, my beloved. So what are we doing here anyway? I mean, why do we come into this place every Sunday? Why do we hold meetings to plan for things? What are we doing in our Bible classes, in our Sunday school? Why do we do anything that we do here at Beautiful Savior? According to the words today, Jesus tells us exactly what the church is all about. What we're supposed to be doing. He says, first of all, we're supposed to be busy defending the truth of God's word. And then we're supposed to be marching against the gates of hell. And then we're supposed to be using the keys to open or to lock. The Gospel before us this morning recounts uh, some dialogue between Jesus and Peter, but also the other disciples were standing along there too. And according to Jesus' words, Jesus says that his church, your church, my church, our church, is supposed to be a confessional church, one that defends the truth, one that marches against the gates of hell, one that uses keys. Now, this section of Scripture, first of all, is a single question that Jesus posed to the disciple Peter uh, to and to its disciples. And he said, all of you guys together, who do people say that I am? And they responded very quickly, well, some people say that you're John the or coming ba- come back from the dead. Some people say that you're, uh, because you work miracles, you're sort of like Elijah coming back, who came back from the dead. And you're also like Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Of course, the church authorities don't like, uh, didn't like him. But, Jesus, for most of all, uh, the, you're pretty popular with the people. Then Jesus said to his disciples, But who do you say that the Son of Man is? Jesus, you see, was calling for a confession. He wanted to hear from them by way of their own lips. Who did the disciples believe him to be? And then uh, bold Peter, speaking up for the rest of the disciples, said, Why, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus knew right away that Peter was not uh, making that confession all on his own, so he reminded Peter that he didn't know this, get this from any human, but from the Father in heaven himself. But what Peter did confess was wonderful. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus, we believe that you are God Almighty himself. Come down to live among us as a human being. Jesus reminded Peter, you didn't know that all by yourself. How was it that uh, Peter learned who Jesus was? He said, it re- uh, G- uh, Peter learned in the very same way that we learn who Jesus is by the word god always tells us about who jesus is and who he is by his word way way back in the old testament was it was by the spoken word and then jesus came into the word and and god revealed himself to us by jesus the living word and now thanks be to god we have the written word in holy scripture and that's how god reveals himself to us and gets us to know his son jesus christ as our lord and savior Then Jesus goes on to talk to Peter about his church and the foundation on which it would be built. You are Peter. And I can guarantee that on this rock, I will build my church. Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. I know that some of you are converts from Roman Catholicism. But the Roman Catholic Church believes that these words that Jesus spoke to Peter are an indication that Peter was the pillar and the foundation of the church and consequently you have the origin of Papa or the Pope. We of course as Lutheran Christians disagree and we do so by scripture. Let's go back and and see exactly what these words mean. First of all, we have to say when Jesus talks I'm going to build my church, he's not talking about some visible denomination bricks and mortar. He's actually talking about flesh and blood. Peter himself knew that. Later on in one of his epistles, he wrote these words. As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. St. Paul also addressed the same subject in his letter to the Ephesians. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, Jesus' church, his real church, is not brick and mortar, it's flesh and blood. And you and I are the building blocks of his church with Jesus Christ and the teachings of the apostles as the foundation. Jesus describes the foundation of his church. He said, Peter, you're Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now notice, Holy Scripture, Jesus did not say, You are Peter, and Peter on you... I'm going to build my church. The church is not built in any human, but on the words of Jesus. It's kind of interesting, too, and once in a while, I, you know, you, you say, oh, I went to the seminary, and you like to show off your education. But it's kind of interesting. In the Greek, when Jesus is uh, saying, Peter, you are Peter, and upon this rock, first of all, he says, you are Peter Petrus. And then he goes on, he says, but on Petra, I'm going to build my church. It's sort of like saying, Peter, you are a big boulder. You're a strong guy. But I'm going to build my church on the bedrock from which you were cut and upon which you made your confession. Goes back years and years when uh, we lived in uh, Franklin. I was pastor of St. Paul's, and sometimes we'd be sitting eating supper and all of a sudden, boom, the house would shake. He said, what? Oh, they're blasting at the quarry again. And they said the charge is too large. I was about a mile away. Big quarry. In fact, they said that uh, there's going to be stone coming out of that uh, quarry uh, un- until I die. And all the way through the lives of my kids. That, that bedrock is so huge. So miles and miles. The foundation of God's church is not Peter, but on his confession. And what did he confess? Why, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's the church's foundation. You see, Peter had faith in Jesus Christ. But faith always has an object. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ, like it was Peter's. So the foundation of God's church is Jesus Christ, our Savior, just as Peter confessed. Now, Jesus' church, your church, my church, our church is built on the confession of Jesus Christ. And to stay faithful to the foundation of Jesus Christ, beautiful Savior Lutheran Church, 3205 North 85th Street, and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is a confessional church. We confess to others what we believe about God's Word, what is right and what is wrong. And I brought with me a whole bunch of our confessions, because if you don't write down black on white, how is anybody out there going to know what you believe about certain things? And that's why many of you went through Luther's Catechism, a confession of the Lutheran Church. What do we believe? I've got a whole bunch of confessions up here that our church has been uh, writing for years and years. What do we believe? I got one. Render unto Caesar and unto God a Lutheran view of the church and state, the inspiration of Holy Scripture, theology and practice of the divine call, admission to the Lord's Supper, the end times, Christian care at life's end, a Lutheran stance towards ecumenism, report on euthanasia. What child is this? Marriage, family, and human cloning. You see, the world continues to try to attack the truth of God's word and so you finally have to say no, no, no this is what God's word says and this is what is wrong confessions all over the place portals of prayer you read it every week it's a confession today's light a confession Lutheran witness a confession what do we believe that is right according to God's word and what is wrong and even the prayer that you receive today is a confession of faith What in the world do Lutheran Christians believe about racism and what are we going to pray for? And the reason that we are a confessional church is because, as I said before, the devil is peppering poison darts at his church all the time. And every time he does it, he's trying to remove Jesus Christ from the center of our faith. Perhaps you know of some churches or have gone there where they have Christian on the outside but you never hear Jesus Christ preach much much at all. Every time one of these documents comes out or one of these things is printed we are saying you are the Messiah the Son of the Living God and we're not going to give that up. Now, God's church is not only a confessional church it's also supposed to be a Uh, Church that marches on the gates of hell. What? I remember uh, quite a few years ago, we uh, toured Germany, and we went into quite a few castles, and all the castles had big, huge gates. Obviously, they were built that way to keep the enemies out, right? And um, maybe some of you saw the uh, movie King Kong and how that big fence was built and those big gates were there to keep Kong out but that's what gates are for. Now what in the world does it mean that uh, that, uh, uh, the gates of hell are not going to overpower God's church? I mean, you don't take a look at some gates, take some gates off their hinges and move them towards the church, do you? And I don't think that's what's meant at all. Obviously, it's a spiritual picture that there are gates in hell, but what it says is that the church is supposed to start marching towards the gates of hell to try to break them down. Where are the gates of hell? Oh, they're a lot closer than what you think they are. The gates of hell are located on 85th and 86th and our avenue. The gates of hell are any address where people inside the house living don't know about Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And because of that, they're going to hell and they probably don't even know that either. And we as members of Christ's church are commissioned to break down the gates of hell and we have the guarantee of of, of Jesus that as we do so, even the devil's power is not going to be able to overcome overcome us. Now, people out there who are unbelievers aren't going to give in easily, but the church and its message is far more powerful than the devil, devil in hell. And we, the people of God's church, have to be out there knocking down the gates of hell to let the people out, and that's the mission of the church. Jesus also says, as members of the church, I'm going to give you the keys. What in the world is that all about? By the way, that's also in Luther's catechism, the keys. Now, I don't know about you, but I carry a whole lot of keys. Got the keys to the church. Got keys to the filing cabinet, got the keys to the uh, uh, closet downstairs, got the keys to the office and the other office doors. You carry a whole lot of keys too. What do keys do? They either lo- open something or they lock something. Jesus says, you have the keys. And whoever you imprison, you imprison. Whoever you set free, you're going to set free. You know what God's key is? And you know what it's supposed to be locked or unlocked? God's key is His holy word in the Bible, the 66 books of Holy Scripture. It either opens heaven to people who believe, or it gives them the message that heaven is locked to them if they disbelieve. The Bible is God's announcement to the whole world that all their sins are forgiven. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. How does it all work practically? Let me use a fictional example. Imagine if the day would ever come where there was a universal cure for every type of cancer. No matter what cancer you have, all of a sudden, the cure was available, and it was available in one little pill, and all you had to do was take it and swallow it. And besides all that, the announcement was that the pill would be free. And I'm sure many people would line up to get their life-giving pill. But believe it or not, there would probably be some actually some people who would say, I don't think that pill works. I don't want to take that. Maybe there might even be some people who say, I don't believe that that pill is going to work. In fact, if you take it, you're probably going to get sicker. And so those people didn't get in line for the pill. And so you go out and you find those people and you really try to convince them really hard, but they still refuse. What would you tell them? If you don't take the pill, i got to tell you. I don't want to tell you, but you're going to die. Jesus died for the forgiveness of the whole world. Those who believe in him will live forever. Those who reject him will be lost Forever. And you as members of Christ church have been given the key to announce the message of Jesus Christ. To simply tell them oh, I'm so happy you believe in Jesus as your savior like I was able to tell Frida Poleski on her deathbed. She said, "Oh pastor, I'm so sorry I didn't go to church so much." I said, "All your sins are forgiven, Frida." She says, "I have Jesus in my heart." I said, "I know, that's why you're going to heaven." I was applying the keys saying the gates of heaven for freedom for you are all open. Somebody comes and says, you know, that Jesus you always talk about, I don't believe in him. I'll have to tell you, I hope that you would change your mind before you die because otherwise you'll be lost. How do you know who's a believer and whom you should tell uh, you're on your way to heaven? And how do you know who's an unbeliever and, and tell them you're on your way to hell? Certainly, you can't look into their hearts. Only God can do that. The only way that you can know who is a believer and who is an unbeliever is by what they say. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, my Savior. You're on your way to heaven. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Please repent before you die or you're on your way to hell. I want to live for Jesus, my Savior. You're on your way to heaven. I'm not going to live for Jesus or anybody else. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm living and doing whatever I want. Please change your way or you're going to go to hell. Using the keys is simply announcing what God's simple word says. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. A privilege and a responsibility given to the church by Jesus himself. So there you have it a description of the church, what we're all about. Defending the truth, the confessional truth. Marching on the gates of hell and using the keys. And yes, we recognize that Jesus' church is an invisible church because it consists of all believers wherever they are in the world But you know, you can also see where God's church is uh, and the various different locations of this planet. And that is wherever believers are gathered around the truth of God's word and the sacraments, there is God's church. God's church, Jesus' church, your church, my church, our church. What a wonderful church to be a member of. And you are, by God's grace, And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.